near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of two experiences, actually, Karen and Halil. And both of these accounts can be found on enderf.org. Karen says, I was in the hospital for a cardiac catheterization procedure to determine if I have pulmonary hypertension. This was done under local anesthesia and there were no complications. I was to stay in the hospital for two to three hours to make sure there were no complications and then I would be released to go home. Everything went fine. I had a meal and about three hours later, the nurse came in to say I was being discharged and I could get dressed and go home. Before getting dressed, I told the nurse I needed to use the restroom. The nurse then took me around the corner. It was a short walk to the restroom. And she stood outside while I went in. While in the restroom, I started getting lightheaded and felt like I was going to pass out. I yelled for the nurse and told her what was going on. So she came in and started helping me back to my room. The last thing I remember was almost making it to my bed. My mother, who was waiting outside my room, told me that I passed out. She said that several nurses came over and hooked me up to a machine which gave my vital signs. My mother had to wait outside the room and all she could do was listen. She heard the nurses say, my blood pressure was dropping and that they were losing me. They called a code blue and brought in a crash cart. Apparently, I had no vital signs for approximately 30 seconds, a very short time before I came back. All I can recall is everything went black and then I saw a bright light. In the bright light, I saw Jesus sitting in a green lawn chair. He just looked at me and smiled. He looked just as I thought he would, with the white robe and glowing light all around him. He didn't say anything to me. He just smiled. And then I woke up. After the nurses left the room, I told my mother that I saw Jesus. She asked me how I knew it was Jesus. I said, I just knew. I told her that he was sitting in a green lawn chair. She replied, If he was sitting, how did you know the lawn chair was green? I said, I just knew. I told her it was the kind of chair that Grandpa had when he was fishing. 
After several days of thinking about this, I believe he was fishing with my grandpa, who has passed on, even though I didn't actually see my grandpa. That is the end of Karen's experience. Now, while this experience would be absolutely, you know, incredible to Karen, there isn't a lot that is spectacularly unique about it. But the thing that drew my attention is when she is asked, how did you know it was Jesus that you saw? And she said, I just knew. And then even, how did you know it was a green lawn chair if he's sitting in it? She's like, I just knew. Which points, of course, to this extrasensory ability to sense things that can't be seen or recognize things that can't be easily, you know, identified by eyes or ears. Very interesting and very beautiful and sweet experience. Okay, here is Halil's experience. Halil says, I was picking up my daughter from school. While I was there, I dropped to the floor. I was having a heart attack. I was walking in a pretty populous area, so there were many people around. However, no one seemed to do anything. A few younger boys walked by and just watched as I was lying on the ground. A young girl, who was maybe five years old, noticed me, uh, noticed me since I had collapsed right outside of her apartment complex. She asked me if I was all right, but I couldn't say anything anymore. She went back inside. Everything went black. I will never be able to remember how long it was that I could not see anything, but all of a sudden I realized my eyes were open. There was one thing that didn't make sense. Why was I floating? I was in the same spot that I had collapsed, but I was slightly higher up. Suddenly I heard sirens and looked down. I could see an ambulance with people coming out. They were putting me on a stretcher. I heard one man say, This man has no chance of survival. He has been here without any help for nearly an hour. The other man said, I'm sure he's already dead. I didn't realize it was this bad. I could see everything so clearly. I wasn't feeling any pain and actually felt very comfortable. However, I was a bit stressed at the thought of my daughter and my wife who would be stressed to find out that I had died. I didn't know where my daughter was, but I knew that my wife's work was not too far, so I went to her workplace. I went to her office, but she wasn't there. I saw that her computer screen was on and that she had been looking at an Istanbul real estate page with apartments and houses for sale. I didn't think much of it at the time, but this did have significance later on in my story. I became curious. What would happen if I continued to float up? I began to go up, up, and up. Finally, I could see the entire city of Samson. And just for a moment, I'm going to apologize uh, because you can hear the wind blowing in my window once in a while. There seems to be a storm on the way, which 
we've been praying for rain, so it's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, continuing. As I started to rise, I could see the Black Sea and the southern tip of Ukraine, which is geographically close to Samson. Eventually, I could see all of Turkey and Ukraine, then all of Eurasia. I kept going up so high that I was eventually able to view the whole earth from outer space. Suddenly, I saw total black. I couldn't see anything. I started to panic and yelled, Hello? I didn't get a response. Then I called out to a higher power, and suddenly I saw immense light. I was able to float towards that light. As I entered, I realized that I was getting sucked into some vortex. Then I was in a cave or tunnel. I could see the same light, but it was at the end of this tunnel. I started to float toward the light, and I came closer and closer. As I got to the end with a door, this door had typical Islamic ornamentation on it. The door opened, and it looked absolutely dark. Yet, however, this was only for a few seconds. Afterwards, I had an entire life review from when I was in my mother's womb to the present day. I was shown many life events that I had forgotten about. Some of them made me feel happy, while others filled me with guilt, sadness, sorrow, and so on. Next, I saw a nice meadow with green grass that was greener than I could have ever imagined or seen. It had flowers that had a color that I cannot describe. I went inside a house and saw a young man who was sitting. As soon as he saw me, he stood up and ran to me. He looked similar to my father, but I could tell it was not him as I had seen photos of him when he was in his early 20s. This man was visually younger than I was. I asked him who he was. He told me that he was my grandfather. Ever since I had known him, he was in a wheelchair. I was very surprised. He asked me to say hi to my grandmother, his wife. Then he asked me if I wanted to meet my deceased father. We walked for about five minutes. In the distance, I saw my father. When we got closer, he welcomed me with open arms. He told me that I had been a good person, but that I needed to make sure my daughter would never lose her religion. My grandfather, father, and myself were walking along a field, and we saw a beautiful mosque in the distance. As we got closer, I could feel my walking became more and more difficult. It felt as though I gained all this extra weight. They entered, but I could not. I could feel myself being pulled back. I heard an authoritative voice say, You shall not enter. You have not finished your life. When you have completed your life and continued to be a good person, you will earn your place here. Suddenly, I saw complete darkness. Then I opened my eyes and realized I was in a hospital bed with my wife and daughter around me crying. Apparently, I was out for longer than most cardiac arrest patients 
and it was a miracle that I had survived. I felt pain, but I was not tired or drowsy. Visiting hours had been over, and my wife and daughter had to go home. After I had recovered, I revealed exactly what happened. My wife had a hard time believing it at first, but I told her about the fact that I went to her office and saw the Istanbul real estate apartment and the house website on her desk. She was shocked. She said that day her boss had offered her a job in Istanbul, and she was wondering what kind of apartments and houses exist there if she planned to relocate for her job. She said she never looked at the site before and thought that there was no way I could have known that information unless I had been there. I hadn't been to her office in over two months. The experience was timeless and vivid. That is the end of Halil's experience. Okay, now there's a lot of things that we could touch upon, but there is one particular point that really stands out to me that I find very interesting. Now, we just read in the previous experience somebody meeting Jesus, recognizing Jesus. We've read many experiences where that seem consistent with Christian beliefs, Christian religion. But in this experience... It was very consistent with, with Muslim beliefs and, and so forth. In fact, uh, when Halil is asked in the follow-up questions at the end of the after the end of the experience, um, you know, what was your religion before the experience? He said, Muslim and very religious. And then he's asked, how have your religious practices changed since your experience? And he said, not at all. In fact, he even goes on to say that he saw imagery, which we read about, that was consistent with his religious beliefs. And in fact, when he goes and talks to his father, one of the things that his father says to him is that he needs to go back um, to help his daughter to make sure she would never lose her religion. Now, I am not trying to suggest that this says that uh, Muslim religion is the true religion because they practice it on the other side. I, in fact, I'm not saying that about any religion um, when it comes to you know, how, these, how these experiences are worded. What it suggests to me is that the practice of religion and different religions continues on the other side. That may seem inconsistent with what many people would assume, because you meet God, obviously, he can tell you what the correct religion is. Many people draw from um, near-death experiences the assumption that religion itself is not good, but that we should be spiritual and not religious. That does not seem consistent either. So what does that say about religion? Well... For one thing, I think it suggests that our differences are less important than we sometimes make them out to be, which is to say, you know, if we think that a person is going to hell because they were Muslim, well, this clearly speaks out against that. If someone thinks that someone being Christian 
is going to make them have to go to, you know, whatever other kind of hell, underworld, whatever there is, that is clearly not true either. And people are still practicing their religion. Many people change. No question about that. Many people, probably the majority of people, have vastly different religious um, feelings and interpretations after their near-death experience. But many, like Halil, not only um, stick with their religion, but feel it validated by their experience. Is that suggesting that on the other side, we're still going to have different religions? That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Does it suggest that we will have the same wars over religion that we have here? Well, I see nothing to suggest that, honestly. I think it's that would be inconsistent with what we've seen. Do they even have disagreements? I don't know. I, I haven't seen anybody argue about religion. I, I've heard people... Um, be told things that are inconsistent with what they've believed and they usually accept it because of where they are and what they've just been through. They're kind of like, well, if, if the spirit world doesn't know, then, then nobody must. I, they, they've got to be telling the truth, which I think is fair. But that's not to say that they have all the answers in terms of who is right and who is wrong. And honestly, I suspect that our fight over who is right and who is wrong is inconsistent with what we see on the other side. I haven't seen anybody yet come back and, and say that um, they've proven all the religions wrong. They've said that they no longer subscribe to them, and they say that some of them say that they think that religion in general has got it wrong, which may be true for the uh, for the general, you know, mass of religion out there because there's thousands of them here, thousands. But there's no point in thinking less of anyone because their religion is different than yours, even if it's vastly different, like world religion difference, you know, um, because people have every reason to follow their religion from what they experience on the other side. Anyway, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to point toward a religion or even away from any religion. What I'm trying to say here is that from what everything I read, it seems that that fight is pointless. Not because one may be right or one may be wrong or that both may be wrong or both may be right, but because it doesn't matter. That's not the point. I'm not one that says that it doesn't matter what religion you belong to. I do think it matters. But it's going to be a different answer for different people at different times in their lives. We should follow the religion that, feel, that brings us closest to God. And if it's not the religion that you're in, find a religion that does. Am I biased toward my own religion? Certainly. <laughs> I wouldn't be going to it and... and uh, participating in it if I weren't. But I have every reason to think that every other person out there who is devoted to the uh, religious practices that they live should feel the same about their religions. And I fully accept that. I think that's beautiful. Anyway, I just thought that was a really interesting point 
to make. And I was grateful to find not only a non-Western experience, but a non-Christian belief um, that, you know, and and even in these questions, um, there's several of them where, you know, in what he got out of it, what he got out of it is that, wow, God definitely exists, which I think is beautiful. I, you know, it confirmed what he's believed all his life. Anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing my book or album. Uh, Life in the Spirit World is the book, and my album is Home. Both can be found at neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, one word. That's our website. Click on store, and you'll see those right at the top. If you order the audiobook, um, it's me reading it, and that is the amount that most, that where it gets, you know, so I, I feel funny even talking about this, but um, people sometimes ask which format is going to support you the most, which is going to get you the highest percentage of, of money or whatever, and it's by far the uh, audiobook, and that is because I have completely utterly self-published that part of it. The others go through Amazon and, and different things, which are all good. And you get the thing that is going to be most beneficial to you or that you can afford or whatever. Um, but, you know, in case you're wondering that, it's definitely the audiobook. Also, if you would like to contact me, you can do so by emailing chaz at ndepodcast.org. That's C-H-A-S at ndepodcast.org. You can also email john at ndepodcast.org. I recommend that if you are interested in either being interviewed or know someone who would like to be interviewed. John is an excellent interviewer. I love listening to his his interviews. And uh, so contact him if you would like to be interviewed. I've done some myself, but... Um, and, and I have to apologize to some out there who have tried to get me to interview them. I have done some in the past, and I enjoy doing it, but I struggle with some things, namely with my ADHD. I have tended to forget the times, forget the days, just outright miss um, appointments to do the interviews. I've, it's, it's, happened enough that I'm like, you know what, this, this isn't a good fit for me doing interviews. And I, I love interviews. I especially love listening to them. I'm just not the best person to do them with. So that's why I encourage you to go to John. It's just my own weakness, which I know I'm working on, <laughs> something that I struggle with. But for the sake of, of the show, for the sake of, of how things work best, and for the sake of having the best interview possible, I recommend doing, uh, uh, contacting John for that. Now, you know, I don't know what his schedule is like. You'd have to talk to him about that. But (laughs) anyway, you can also support the show by going to, uh, patreon.com slash NDE podcast. And with that, you guys, thank you so much again for listening.